Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, everyone. Before we get into this week's episode, I want to give a quick message of thanks to all of you for listening to the podcast this year. I know I'm always asking you to rate and review the show. But if you are a fan and have been enjoying the show, it really would mean a lot to me if you would let us know by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to know what you think we're doing right, what you want to hear more of, and who you think we should be booking as guests in 2023. So thank you, thank you, thank you, and here we go. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and this is our last new episode of 2022, which means it's time for our annual countdown of the funniest performances of the year. For the third consecutive year, we have Daily Beast entertainment reporter Laura Bradley here to help us out. Great to have you back, Laura. Hello, it's great to be back. And also joining us this year is one of our newer entertainment editors who has also been a big part of the launch of The Daily Beast's new Obsessed section, Allegra Frank. Welcome to the show. Hello, I'm so excited to do this. Yeah, I'm so excited to have both of you here. Um, I love this episode that we do every year because we get to talk about a lot of things that we don't always get to talk about on this show, um, including all of our favorite comedy of the year. Um, I also love that we each made our lists independently. There is no overlap. Uh, I think we all have some overlap in taste, but have, you know, into different things. And I think that's great for something like this. Um, and it lets us talk about more stuff. Um you know, so how this is going to work is we're each going to count down our lists of the top five funniest performances of 2022 across TV, movies, stand up. Um, to start, you know, how for each of you, how did it go sort of putting together these lists? Um, did you feel like there was a lot to choose from? Do you think, uh, you know, were you were you happy with, with what you came up with? Um, maybe start with Laura. I found myself struggling to remember what on earth I have watched this year. Yeah, because uh, it was a lot. I, I feel like for all of us, it was probably a lot. Yeah, it's so funny. This is a recurring issue where people will ask me, what have you been watching? What do you like? And I say, nothing that I can remember somehow because I've been watching everything. So, But after going back through my memories, I was surprised by which things I do remember. I feel like that's actually kind of the fun part of the too much content catastrophes you then get to realize like, all right, what has actually stuck in my brain when I sit here and think back for five minutes about what I really enjoyed? Uh, I was surprised because some of my favorites came from pretty early in the year. So the fact that they stuck with me through all of the other things I've watched uh, speaks volumes about their quality. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Allegra? Yeah, I was definitely having some trouble both remembering what the heck I watched. And then once I remembered like 10% of it, whittling that list down I will say something that really surprised me in coming up with that list. I mean, obviously, there's so much more TV out there than movies um, in general, just because that's the nature of peak TV. But I had a lot of trouble thinking of movies that were funny. Like, I know the studio comedy is dying, and I always think, oh, that's hyperbole, but... I was like, wait, maybe it is because I can't think of like any comedy movies. That's so funny. I had the exact opposite dilemma where I remember really? so many. I remembered so many films, especially it seems like films that I saw through festivals. I feel like a mm. lot of those stuck in my brain. Whereas I was sitting there, there were a few TV performances that came to mind for certain, but I did find myself thinking, I know I watch more TV than this this year. So it's funny. Yeah, I think uh, as a little preview, Laura, I think you have a lot of movies on your list and Allegra and I have none. Uh, like all Don't worry. I put the um, team on my back when it comes to cinema. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, the, I try to mostly put people on my list who have not been guests on the show, just so we can talk about some other stuff that we haven't already talked about. Um, but I do want to shout out just some of the comedians who did have uh, stand up specials come out in 2022 who were on the show and um, I thought kind of rose above the rest. Um, and, uh, 
yeah, so I would I just I would highly recommend anyone checking out these specials, but also checking out the interviews that we did with them on the show. Um, one is uh, Moses Storm, who had a special Trash White on HBO Max. River Butcher had a different kind of dude on Comedy Central. Ronnie Chang, um, who I love, uh, his latest special is Speakeasy on Netflix, um, which I think was is matched his previous special on Netflix, which I also thought was great. Um, Jenna Friedman had Lady Killer on Peacock. Um, she's been on the show a couple of times, and I'm hoping to have her back actually next year. She has a book coming out as well. Shang Wang had Sweet and Juicy on Netflix, which I thought was was one of the funniest specials of the year. And then uh, finally, Matt Rogers had a special just come out very recently, and he was on the show to talk about it called Have You Heard of Christmas, which is a musical Christmas special that is also one of the funniest things I've seen this year. And he was great in Fire Island, and I love that for you, and just had an incredible year. Um, so I wanted to just at least mention all of those, even though they're not on my list, um, so that people can can check them out. I don't know if you guys got a chance to see any of those or if there are other any other stand-up that you loved this year, um, but... We can either get to that later or if you have any thoughts now. Um, I think my favorite, I'm not a huge stand-up person, um, but I think my favorite recorded stand-up is already on one of your lists. So, <laughs> Yes, yes. I feel like there's there's one that kind of, uh, that was exceptional beyond the rest that uh, that probably, that we're going to get to later. Yeah, I mean, I think we can, we can probably just dive into the list um, and maybe, uh, Allegra, do you want to go first and share your number five? Sure. Um, okay. So again, this was very hard. Um, I changed my list multiple times, but number five, what I settled on was Freddie Stroma as vigilante in Peacemaker. Um, did you guys watch that show? I have to admit that I did not watch Peacemaker. Oh, um, but I, I do hear, I do hear that it's great. Um, so I would love to hear more about uh, this performance in particular. Yeah. So I honestly think that was like one of the top three funniest shows of the year or something like very, very funny constantly. Like it's weird to say because it's a DC property. It's the sort of spinoff of the suicide squad, James Gunn's, um, take on that, you know, villain story, um, featuring John Cena's character peacemaker, who's this muscle meathead American hero, jingoistic guy who is a villain with a heart of gold who is conscripted into this uh, mission where he doesn't really know what the the premise is, but he's down to beat some people up and then things go awry. It's so funny. It feels like it's punching above its weight because it was this very small feeling show because it has this sort of niche fan base being a DC show. It's not something that like was well communicated to a more general audience of this is actually just a very black, funny comedy, but it was so funny. And I think Freddie Stroma's Vigilante was such a good example of that because he plays another super villain, um, anti-hero. But his character is purely comic relief. He isn't like an established DC hero. So he's someone you can come into the show not really knowing anything. And this is just another super villain guy who is really strong and really unhinged. But every single line he says is so funny because he's this kind of dopey guy who suddenly develops very, you know, super skills. Peacemaker and I are wanted. What other choice do we have besides killing this veterinarian, this nurse, and this male nurse? You could just say two nurses, man. If I just say nurse, I think people will imagine it as a woman. He's standing right there. We don't have to imagine anything. It must be weird waking up every day and being a male nurse. You're a fucking busboy. Oh, great. Now we definitely have to kill him because you're giving away stuff about my secret identity. Is this show safe, do you think? I know you're very up on all the HBO Max uh, drama <laughs> this past year. Is, is it going to come back? Do you know? I think now that James Gunn is in charge of the uh, DC universe and this is his baby, plus it, I think it did pretty well. It had a good viewership. It got good reviews. I think it's going to be safe. I, will, I would be devastated if it didn't come back because it came out in January, but it's still one of my favorite shows of the whole year. Nice. Laura, do you want to go to your number five? Yes, I was obsessed with Kate Hudson and Glass Onion, and I am very curious to see the degree to which that winds up being recency bias, because I will admit I did see it quite recently. But she plays this model-turned-sort-of-fabletics-adjacent-sweatpant-empire uh, owner 
which I will admit I am a sucker for anyone who kind of makes fun of themselves in their own roles. And I do feel a lot of the jokes about the sweatpant company or in particular, just sort of self-referential, but they do end up sort of also being important in a way that I find really amusing, but just even sort of, there's a joke where she thinks she thought that sweatshops are just the place where you make sweatpants and the delivery with wit, like just her delivery on all of those lines. She does it with this bubbly, just completely serious conviction. I really admire the degree to which she committed to playing the worst sweatpant empire owner ever. I'm, I'm uh, excited that she has a, you know, fun role like that. Cause I feel like it's, it's been a while. Well, and that's the thing too, is I almost feel as though her absence from a lot of movies, she's sort of been doing projects still, but her absence from sort of these big, big roles, uh, has sort of makes it all the more fun when she then shows up in just the loudest outfits. I think I have seen <laughs> this side of she in like, they are just so aggressive, both in color design, all of it, each one more ridiculous than the last. It's really hard to have a statement swimsuit. And yet here we have a ruffled orange statement swimsuit. I have not seen such a thing before. Uh, but yeah, I think at the risk of sounding like a broken record, just the degree of dedication and also the physicality of her performance too, especially toward the end. I just feel like the way she moves her lips when she talks, the faces she makes, the way she twirls, all of it is just so perfectly calibrated and so convincing that it could have sort of been a throwaway role. But I wound up coming away from the movie really, really thinking about and enjoying that performance. Well, you're, you're getting me excited because I have not seen this one yet, but I'm waiting for the, the Netflix uh, premiere, which as when people hear this will have already happened, but we're still a few days away from it. I'm excited for you to see her and the film in all its glory. <laughs> um, well, I guess I'll go to my number five. And I don't know if this is a show that either of you watched or were into, but uh, my number five is Zach Cherry in Severance, which was an Apple TV plus show that came out early in the year, which I got very obsessed with very quickly um, and kind of just binged the whole thing and then ended up watching the whole thing again. <laughs> um, and I know I, I, I got very into it. I talked to Adam Scott um, on this podcast for that one, and that was really fun. Um, but the actor who kind of jumped out, or one of the actors who jumped out to me who I didn't know was this guy, Zach Cherry who I think I'd only seen um, playing uh, Pete Holmes' manager in his uh, his HBO show. Um, crashing. Crashing, yeah. Uh, and But I, I just hadn't really seen him in that much. And then he's so funny in this show that that's not really a comedy, but he gets to be very funny and kind of bring some of that workplace comedy energy to a show that's actually incredibly dark. And I think there's there's sort of a theme of at least my first, uh, my five through three of, of my list are people in shows who... Uh, people in shows that aren't necessarily comedies, but getting the chance to be very funny. Um, and he definitely stood out to me. Did either of you uh, check out Severance? Yeah. I mean, I am a huge Adam Scott nerd. Oh, yes, I know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was my uh, obligation and duty. I really enjoyed him as well. Although I will admit I was too busy writing my fan fiction for John Turturro and Christopher Walken's romance yes. during Severance to notice <laughs> much else. I was too busy making my prolific fan fiction. But yeah, I mean, I think everybody on that show was clearly putting everything into it. Well, yeah, I love that, that, that Zach Cherry, who had, hadn't really gotten the chance to do something like this before is like really in there with Christopher Walken and John Turturro, like mixing it up. And I just imagine that that must've been surreal for him and, and exciting. And so, yeah, and that show should be coming back this coming year. So I'm excited to see more of it. We don't trust you guys. You, the king of fucks, don't trust us. I do, but people just talk about MDR Stupid old stories, jokes even. What do you mean? I... It's literally silly. Like they say, you all have pouches. Pouches? Like to carry young? Yes, according to some. You each have a larval offspring that will jump out and attack if we get too close. That's fucking psycho. Let's go to Allegra's number four. Okay, so I felt... Speaking of obligation, um, Atlanta is one of my favorite shows, I guess at this point, probably ever. And it just, yeah, and just finished 
this year, I think last month, and it had two two seasons in 2022, so it really had a lot of opportunities to make this list. But the one that I think was most emblematic of what I love about Atlanta was a season four episode in which Donald Glover plays the character Mr. Chocolate. So that is my fourth pick. Mr. Chocolate is this Tyler Perry type figure who tries to get um, Zazie Beetz' daughter, Zazie Beetz' character, uh, Van, her daughter, to be in his show. He's doing like a you know Tyler Perry type, really dumb, broad comedy about a family. And he's just like this really intense, overbearing kind of director who you know, has really hyper-specific needs that he demands being met and is very intimidating when he demands that Van allow uh, their daughter to, their daughter Lottie to be part of the show. And the thing that's great is it's Donald Glover in like prosthetics. He's wearing a bald cap. He's a lot taller and bigger than he usually is. And it reminded me of the season two episode, Teddy Perkins, when Donald Glover, yeah. It was a real full circle moment there. Yeah. So Donald Glover is so, I mean, he is like really at the heart of this show, even if he isn't always the main character of it. And it was so fun to see him do that again, flex that like real comedy character muscle. And also I just love a Tyler Perry parody always. Oh, hello. I was just writing on my piano. Scripts are like music to me. Steve Jobs made that for me. I think of him every time I write. Would you like a grit? That was a that was a good example of one of the more one of the funnier episodes of these two seasons, which often also got pretty dark and weren't always as funny, I think, as the first two seasons. But there were moments through all of them that were hilarious, and that was definitely one of them. Yeah, for sure. It reminded me a lot of um, if you guys watched the Boondocks, they had an episode oh, that yeah. was yeah with the Tyler Perry <laughs> parody. It reminded me a lot of that, a little less uh, intense because this is not Adult Swim, um, but. I I was like, okay, this is like throwing me back to Teddy Perkins, Boondocks, everything. It was immediately where my brain went. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Classic. Um, Laura, what's your number four? Uh, So my number four is Mr. Gregory from Abbott Elementary, played by Tyler James Williams. Uh, I just, everything he does in that show makes me laugh. And I know (laughs) that the looking to camera shtick has been done. I know we call it the Jim Halpert stare because it happened in another show so much already, but it still works is the thing. And I love his, I love his deal with plants. I love (laughs) that he cannot let one moment pass by where he's not judging Ava for having the job that he wants. I love his romance with Janine, even though it's like not there yet. I loved him in that white thermal in the most recent episode. (laughs) Everything that man does on screen just cracks me up. Yeah, they're really slow walking the romance. They're they're trying to drag it out as long as uh, as long as they can. I think. <laughs> Honestly, I appreciate it because way too many shows sort of start the romance too early, and then they have to throw a really dumb obstacle in the way to make it not happen. Whereas this show is just like, no, we're gonna take make it take a stupidly long time to happen. yeah it feels really protracted at this point but it does allow for gregory to just keep focusing on making these little one-liners that we do love but i would love for him to just put his mouth on janine's mouth already (laughs) they got Uh, very close it's it's we're we're getting there (laughs) it got yeah it got pretty sexy in that club what'd you say i didn't say anything (laughs) yeah that was funny do you like this song? Oh, I don't dance to songs that I don't like. I don't want DJ to get the wrong idea. You know, I don't like it that much either. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> um, I was I was very close to putting uh, Janelle James as Ava from Abbott Elementary on on my list, who I who I think is 
really, really funny on that show. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to get her on the podcast for a while and it's, she's been pretty elusive, but I, I'm, I'm determined. I support that effort. She was the other one I was debating between. I was like, I know somebody from that show. I definitely, all of the performances really crack me up, but yeah, for whatever reason, Tyler James Williams is just really getting me, but especially in season two, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, with all these shows, the better you, the, the more you get to know the characters, the funnier they become, I think. It's also just nice to watch him have fun because the last thing I watched him on routinely was Walking Dead, which just did him so dirty that I'm just like, you know what? It's nice to have a show treat you the way that you deserve to be treated and not kill you in a revolving door. Yes, a revolving door. I was upset. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was so bad. And Glenn watched all of it because Stephen Young suffered in that show like no one else. But now I'm getting off topic. <laughs> So here's something that is very on topic because at this moment it's all anyone can talk about is uh, my number four is uh, Megan Fahey from White Lotus, um, who I thought I had no idea who she was. I'd never seen her before this season. Um, I know she's done a lot of Broadway and has done some other things, but nothing that I had seen. And her performance as Daphne just from the very beginning, um, sitting on that beach and then in that first episode when the four and the two couples are sitting around having, you know, their spritzes and talking and she's talking about how she's not sure whether she voted or not. And she's, and she's so oblivious, but so happy at the same time. I was just telling Harper how we never fight. Well, you're practically perfect. So. And when we disagree, you just give in, right? Yes, ma'am. Happy wife, happy life. And then her character just gets deeper and deeper as the show goes on up to this last episode where she has this just really heartbreaking moment on the beach with Ethan. I hope I'm not spoiling for anyone, either of you or anyone listening. Uh, you'll be spoiling me, but I will be a good I'm not, sport I'm about not going to talk about who died, but it's, so I, I won't get too specific. But anyway, she, she, her acting is just incredible and she's so funny at the same time. And, and like I said, it's that, you know that balance that I really love of someone who can be in a show that is not always a, a straight out comedy, but be so funny, but also bring the dramatic chops. And I think she's just a, a total, you know, rock star out of the show. And I cannot wait to see what she does next. I am just obsessed with how expressive her face is in this really subtle way. And I think that lends itself to a lot of the humor in what she's doing um, on that show. Cause it is kind of a sad character. Yeah. But she's, yeah, is she sad? Is she happy? I, I'm not sure, but she's she's doing it all. Um, cool. Where are, uh, I think we're up to Allegra's number three. Yes. Okay, so this one, I had to rep my show, my favorite show of the year. Um, one of my favorites. It's hard to be absolute at this point. I had to go with my girl Angela on the rehearsal. So the rehearsal was fantastic. Uh you know, meta commentary on reality shows, documentaries, docu-series. So funny as the follow-up to Nathan for you, one of the greatest shows ever made. And it would have been very easy to put Nathan Fielder himself on this list, but I knew he would be funny and he was. It was Angela who really surprised me as the woman that he invites to join him on this uh or well I guess he joins her but it's her journey mm -hmm. to learn yes. how to be a parent so even though she's ostensibly playing herself right and probably hopefully not playing that too much up for the camera she is so funny in the things that she says about oh how Halloween is a sa satanic <laughs> holiday and how she's constantly dancing without thinking about how the cameras are watching her, how she doesn't really want to parent their child, Adam. She's such a great sport, even when she ends up being fed up with Nathan. And it is so fun watching her on that show she constantly made me laugh so much yeah, which was so too. surprising yeah i don't celebrate halloween what i don't celebrate halloween you don't celebrate halloween no oh was there a reason um well i because it's the highest satanic holiday of the year so the Satanists do sacrifices on this day. there's sacrifice i thought it was just yes. going door to door for candy did you want to put on this no. Uh, mommy uh, isn't going to put on a costume, okay? Why? Mommy doesn't uh, celebrate Halloween. Oh. I guess there's a lot of ghosts, and that's scary for mommy, maybe. Yeah. 
I know. I love the show too. I love it in such an uncomplicated way that I don't know what that says about me as a person because <laughs> people, uh, you know, got really angry at this show and felt like it was, you know, morally corrupt and and all of these things. And I just, I just thought it was so fascinating, so compelling, and yeah, it's so funny. Um, and I, but I've been sort of on the Nathan Fielder bandwagon for a long time, so I don't know. I mean, we run the risk of sort of restarting the discourse around the rehearsal because I've actually been, I've been going back and forth on whether to put Angela or Nathan on my list. And I wound up not because I got caught up in this head trippy question of like, but how intentionally comedic is her performance? Did she have agency as a comedic performer? These are all things that I was sitting there and I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick something else. Yeah, it's too complicated. Yeah. I don't know. It it's is. just, it's so good. Yeah. And I think, I think she's the right pick over Nathan, who is, he's probably not the funniest part of the show. He might be the saddest part of the show in, in some ways. <laughs> um, and then, but the other, I mean, another sleeper pick that someone could have made is the, um, who's the guy whose name I'm blanking on, who sees patterns and numbers and, you know, crashed his car at a hundred miles an hour. And he, he came in for a, for one episode and was, was exceptional. Oh, the yes, guy who was going to so be funny. the father and then yes. peace. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that show, I I know I like kind of want to watch it again, and I'm kind of scared to watch it again. All right, so let's go to let's go to Laura's number three. Got another movie, folks. Oh, uh, movies. Went with Regina Hall as Trinity in Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. I again, this is one that I think I watched. It must have been in January. And I still think about it a lot, possibly because I'm from the South and know a lot of like church people. I don't know. But I found her whole performance so funny because so many people, when they're playing the sort of Southern church goer, will say the line, bless your heart. And I know that's the one thing most Northerners know, but she says it with her soul in this movie. She says it with her face in this movie. And they are? Oh, well, we're just documenting this time in our lives. Me and Lee Curtis, obviously, with mm -hmm. that, you know, building our church back up and mm -hmm. working towards our first service back this Easter. Easter, you say? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. <laughs> you know that's when the Sumters are opening up their new Heaven's House location. Right. The Sumters? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm. This Easter? <laughs> yes. Of course, this might make things a little more complicated for y'all. <laughs> Just so much about, essentially, she's playing the first lady of an embattled church that is dealing with a scandal due to the pastor played by Sterling K. Brown. And she is essentially the one in charge of cleaning up the mess, putting the pretty face on it. They're working on this mockumentary. The whole thing unfolds in mockumentary style. They're working on a documentary about their church and their comeback, uh, hopefully for Easter, which ends up not happening. Uh, and through all of it, as it's spinning out of control, the wonderful thing about Regina's performance is that she's both complicit and being suckered in by the documentarians while also being completely aware of what they are doing. They are capturing her at her worst and she knows it and she hates them for it. Uh, but in the end, she has this wonderful monologue where she essentially challenges them in this speech that is so human and yet so flawed. And it's just, she's all executed while she's wearing mime makeup, which is a tradition within some of the Southern Baptist church. And just the layers of sort of not only comedy, but also commentary. I really found it entertaining and fascinating in a not- uh, exhausting way. And it's also a directorial debut from the Ebo sisters writing and directing. And I just all around found the movie really interesting and really funny. And Regina in particular, I just loved her in this. Yeah. I think that movie kind of flew under the radar. So hopefully people get a chance to check it out. Yeah. I still haven't seen it, but I love Regina Hall. She really seemed so compelling from reading your work on this movie, um, Laura, your review, and then in the trailers. Plus, I love Sterling K. Brown, so I really just need to get on this. But I'm glad to hear Regina Hall stole the movie as I would have expected. I mean, to be clear, Sterling's performance is also hilarious. And at one point, he is so committed to his calling to the Lord that he does take his shirt off for the Lord. So, <laughs> <laughs> so another reason to tune in. 
Coming up, more of our funniest performances of the year, including the comedian who undeniably delivered the best stand-up special of 2022 and a possible Oscar winner for 2023. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. If you're enjoying this episode and want to hear more, please make sure you are following The Last Laugh wherever you get your podcasts. By subscribing to The Last Laugh, you can listen to our episodes with some of the stand-up comedians who made me laugh the hardest this year, including Ronnie Chang, Moses Storm, Jenna Friedman, Shang Wang, and more, along with everything else from our free archive. And you'll be the first to hear new episodes when they drop every Tuesday. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how much you love the show and who you want to hear next. Now, back to the show. So my number three uh, is from a show that I just felt like I had to represent in some way um, on this list. And uh, that show is The Bear, um, which was, I think, my number one show of the year. Um, I really, another one that I believe I watched twice all the way through. Um, and just it really connected with me also came out of nowhere you know nobody really saw it coming um it's the show for anyone who doesn't know about uh, a restaurant in chicago um and it's not quite a comedy but it has a lot of comedy in it and the so the performance i could have picked i think a bunch of people from the show jeremy allen white um and ao itabiri are both phenomenal in it but i think they have a little bit more drama and the the actor who I picked is um Eben Moss Bacharach um who plays uh cousin Richie and he is so funny on the show also heartbreaking at times what might you bring to the beef as a new employee I got hearth what's hearth Hearth. I'm nervous man I got heart ah you're gonna need brain now, do you have any special skills or abilities aside from being a fucking stroke? Well, A, I'm not a fucking stroke. And B, I'm really good on the keyboard. No, A, you are. And B, no, you're not. Well, A, yes, I am. And B, I joined a jazz fusion class, so in your face. A, I've heard you fucking play, and you're fucking terrible. And C, it's a fucking restaurant. Why do I give a fuck that you play the keyboard? I'm a hard worker. I'm a nice guy. I got a great vibe. Fuck your vibe. Don't ever fuck my vibe. I swear to God, I will fuck anything I want to fuck. Just really uh, the the moment that for me sticks out of my mind. And I guess this is a minor spoiler alert uh, for an episode. There's an episode late in the season that is done entirely in one shot and is fantastic. And there's a moment where he gets uh, stabbed in the kitchen. And his reaction to that uh, really was was one of the funniest things I've seen <laughs> all year. Um, and he's just such a funny actor um, and a great actor. And, and it was really fun to see him really get to go for it in a way that I, I hadn't seen him before in this show. He was great on Andor this year as well. Yeah, I mean, he and and the dropout. He, he had a lot going on this year. Um, yeah. And so he's he's had a, he's had a big year. I always call him Desi from Girls. I never, yes. ever call him by his real name. So I'm glad that Desi from Girls finally had the year of like lead roles that he's deserved. <laughs> yeah, he needed to do more than that role, which uh, was was a little bit thankless, I think. <laughs> um, all right. So that's uh, that's my number three. So let's go to back to Allegra. Um, or no. Yeah. Is that where we are? Allegra number two? Yes. Yeah. Allegra Moving number along. two. Um, yes. Yeah, so obviously we all love podcasts here. Shout out to podcasts. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Um, so I felt 
obligated to put a podcast on here. I've, I'm really obligated to a lot of different. Yeah, people you have in my so life. many obligations. I don't know how yeah, you're dealing very, with that. Yeah, very very busy woman. Um, one of the greatest things I've experienced uh, in any format this year was Dead Eyes by uh, Connor Ratliff. Wonderful podcast on the Headgum Network in which Connor Ratliff tries to reckon with the worst piece of criticism he ever got, which was Tom Hanks telling him that he had dead eyes and that's why he was fired from Band of Brothers, which would have changed his life and made his career. And instead he found himself struggling at Upright Citizens Brigade and working toward trying to make it into Hollywood. Um, so that's something he's been fixating on for much of his adult life now. So the podcast firstly involves him going over the story, talking to people from Band of Brothers to see if they can corroborate the story, if they remember Tom Hanks saying anything about him. And that's funny in itself, but the show started to get momentum in its third season, which was... <laughs> it's incredible that he's kept this going for three seasons. Yeah, it was like over 30 episodes. Um, in the third season, he finally made some headway in getting to Tom Hanks to confront him because Colin Hanks, Tom Hanks' son, had heard of the podcast and ended up being on the podcast. And at the end of the episode, he promised uh, he promised Connor that he would talk to his dad about sitting down. So the finale of Dead Eyes premiered in March, and it was just Connor Ratliff narrating and then presenting almost unedited this fantastic conversation with hilarious Tom Hanks about why did Tom Hanks say he has dead eyes? Does he still have dead eyes? And Connor takes it so seriously and so earnestly. He's so good at like dry humor. I've been following him for like a decade now since he was on the Chris Gethard show as the presidential nominee whose platform is that he's 35 and therefore old enough to run for president. And um, so he's always been good at like really selling a thing. And he's just so good and like moving here and so funny in like pointedly confronting one of America's most beloved people about why he thinks that Cotter Ratliff has dead eyes. And there's just nothing more thrilling than this podcast episode of anything I've watched this year. It's so beautiful. It's beautiful, perfect work. That's amazing. I love that. Um, all right, Laura, number two. I'm realizing that I two characters on my list are both named Greg, but uh, my oh, name... Well, you have a thing for really, Gregs. Yeah. It's the year of Gregs. <laughs> yeah, White but, Lotus, uh, too. There you go. Uh, winter of Gregs. Uh, but I'm thinking of Lee, Lee Pace in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies as another Greg who is a vet, which everybody assumes because, probably because it's Lee Pace and his stature, they assume means combat veteran. And I'm going to go ahead and spoil my favorite joke of the entire movie is that he's a veterinarian. <laughs> Uh, but just everything about this performance, again, I'm such a big fan of sort of clever casting, and I just find the fish-out-of-water aspect of throwing Lee Pace in particular into this group of Gen Zers as they're having this deadly slumber party, basically, uh, this deadly storm party. It pays off in dividends the longer you sit with the joke. Like, first he's in the pool looking way out of place, Next, he's got the big light mask on his face. Just no matter what they're doing with Lee Pace in this movie, it makes absolutely no sense. And yet, I cannot imagine anyone else being there and being convincing in the role other than Lee Pace of just somehow it does, even though it makes no sense, it makes perfect sense when you look at him next to Rachel Sennott and she's like, we're dating. And you're like, sure. I mean, he's Lee Pace. <laughs> Wouldn't you? It just everything about it. He's so game in every performance he does. He does so many genre movies and I feel like no matter what he's doing, he has so much fun with it. And it's sort of a, I suppose, easy thing to say is that somebody seems like they're having fun in a comedy film, but really just from crawling around on the floor to the game, every aspect of it down to, I will not spoil the manner of his death, but I think given that it is a slasher, it's not a spoiler to say he dies in spectacular fashion. And once again, does great at it. Uh, it's just all around really entertaining stuff from another Greg. <laughs> yeah. 
that movie that's such a good point like visually he's just so funny in that like he's so big and they're all so so small they're all like it's like what if like Rachel Sennett was like a tall girl I feel like that would make it slightly less funny but they're all really tiny chirpy girls which makes it even funnier that this six foot four man is hanging out with them like he looks older and bigger than them and it's so funny and strange fully does not belong there and yet it makes sense that he's there he simply does not belong there um all right so now we're we've arrived at my number two which is the only person on my list who has been on this podcast this year um and that is because she just had such an incredible breakout year and that's kate berlant the comedian who uh she had uh an fx stand-up special called Cinnamon in the Wind, which was actually taped, I think, a couple of years ago, but came out this year. Um, she did a sketch special with her longtime comedy partner, John Early, called Would It Kill You to Laugh, which was incredible. She is the funniest part, in my opinion, of the A League of Their Own reboot, um, where she steals scenes all over the place in that. And she was in, you know, the most talked about movie of the year, Don't Worry Darling, which she gets to be very funny in as well, even though I did not really enjoy that movie very much but i thought she was pretty funny in it um so yeah i just wanted to put her here because i i just think she's been someone who's been around for a while so funny um always so funny but really got to to do so many different things this year and and really had a, a huge year and that's not even including her live show um called kate which has been playing in new york um which i is i have still not seen but i i really can't wait to see that and i'm assuming that's going to get filmed and put up somewhere as well for people to see um but i i hear that's really amazing too um so yeah i i i'm not sure like what else to say about her besides the fact that i think she's one of the funniest people on the planet and i'm glad that she's getting to do so much stuff this year only because i'm really feeling it did someone yeah okay did someone over here recently move and i'm seeing wisconsin i'm wisconsin's being highlighted is anyone in this area from wisconsin or have any relationship to it wisconsin okay um michigan did anyone here move recently? By the way, I'm fine. <laughs> I need you, I need you, I need you. Relax. I need you supine. I need you trusting, okay? I do this at the boardwalk every Sunday, okay? <laughs> I'm fine. Did you guys see see any of her work this year? Uh, don't worry, darling. I saw twice, unfortunately. Oh, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that. <laughs> um, it was it was not great. But uh, I watched all of Search Party at the beginning of this year. Yeah, because my boyfriend was like suddenly obsessed with it when it ended. And so then and I was like sick. So I just sat and I watched five seasons of Search Party in like a week. Um, and I didn't like it that much. But I loved John Early <laughs> and Kate Berlant yeah, was on He's pretty that. undeniable. He's so good and they work, they were playing off of each other in that show. And I was like, oh, she's so interesting. What else has she been in? And I looked and I was like, oh, she's gonna be in a ton of stuff this year, which I thought was like very well timed and cool. Um, and so I've just been like paying attention to her since then. And it's been great to see her be in so many different kinds of things. She is so funny and talented. Um, all right, we're at number ones. So Allegra, you're up. Okay. My number one. I'm shouting out to you, Laura, because I know you watched the show with me and not enough people did. It is Misha Brooks in Players as Cream Cheese. Um, This show, I think, was tailor-made for me. It's by the people who made American Vandal. It's a very self-serious, hilarious mockumentary about esports Um, specifically League of Legends, and they had the developers of League of Legends like consult on it, so it feels very authentic. And Misha Brooks is the star of the team that's at the focus of this mockumentary. His gamer tag is Cream Cheese. And he is so funny, like this nerd. I I clearly love nerd characters, especially ones who like have a self-important, like inflated ego. Um, and the show centers on him as he's kind of like having a fall from grace and trying to reclaim his title as the best in the, the, uh, game. And so he's so funny and aggressive and cruel and selfish, but so sweet deep down as we learn why he is like this. There's one 
scene that I love where he's talking about how um, the like manager of the team is his best friend and his, the manager's wife is his other best friend. And then he's like, and I guess their baby is like my third best friend, but not really. Like he just includes her and then immediately disses their baby. Um, and it's so funny. And like, it feels so natural and improv of this guy just saying these like really random insensitive things. Um, and he's just, he just becomes that character and I got to interview him um earlier this year and he's just like a very Misha Brooks is so sweet and clearly loves this character so much I could just watch 45 hours of him as cream cheese (laughs) aka nut milk nut milk yes (laughs) fka nut milk (laughs) do you regret your championship guarantee no no I I'm I'm proud of my legacy. You know, I don't have regrets. I don't I don't I try and live life without regrets. You know. I do I mean sometimes I do wonder what my life would have been like if I hadn't fucked up that Alistar knock up on the Cogma in twenty sixteen. Like uh it just would have been the perfect setup to a Wombo combo. And maybe my whole life would have been different. Yeah, I was a huge American Vandal fan, but I haven't checked this one out yet. So now I feel like I have to. It's amazing. It's like I I laughed, I cried. That does not happen ever. Um, but it literally happened this time. All right, Laura, I'll tease your number one by saying I think this is the only person on the list who has a chance of winning an Oscar this year. So. Go ahead. Her name is Michelle Yeoh, and I hope she wins an Oscar. <laughs> she, uh, uh, I loved her in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. She played Evelyn, a very put-upon, stringent mother who suddenly discovers she has all of these powers and can be anything she wants to be, and it's somehow not corny. Uh, I loved this movie so much. I loved her in it so much. I kept going back and forth between her and Stephanie for number one, who plays her daughter, Stephanie Sue. I just... I think the thing that really got me about this performance is, and she's talked a lot about this, is the amount of emotional range you're able to get out of it. It's a comedy, but... You really do get such a sense of humanity and just drama and really deep sadness from her in the beginning that I think when you then get to see Michelle Yeoh having fun with hot dog fingers and all of the crazy universe hopping she gets to do, it's all the more fun because it's grounded in this very, I hate the word relatable, but very relatable, very just, uh, sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. Just it's It's grounded in a very relatable struggle that I think makes those comedic highs all the more high. Yeah, I I think it 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 again goes with that thing of like the sometimes the best comedy does need that um, that dramatic element or that grounding to to really put it over the top. And I think yeah, this movie on a whole is is definitely an example of that. It's such a fantastic movie, and it just does such a good job of like showing all of her strengths like legitimately like she's funny she's dramatic she's sweet she's cruel she also is like a kick-ass action star it's such a great role it's so gracious yeah i think it's gonna be her versus uh kate blanchett at the oscars what do you guys think who's gonna take it that's uh, that's like Sophie's choice for me, but I love Michelle. <laughs> um, all right. So now my number one. So I, I feel like last year um, I had a very obvious number one, which was Bo Burnham in Inside. Um, and this year I, I've done it again. I think this is a pretty consensus pick. But um, my number one funniest performance of the year uh, is Gerard Carmichael in Rothaniel, um, which I think was the definitive stand-up special of the year by a mile. Um, it was his HBO special, which really showed a, a different side of him um, as a comedian. I, I loved his previous work too, but this is the one where he really finally got honest for the first time. Uh, he came out um, and talked about the impact of that on his family. And it's it gets pretty intense at times as well, but is 
still funny throughout because he's just such a charismatic, uh, talented, um, skilled comedian that he can he can keep it funny even when when talking about really dark stuff. There's a thing I came out too late, like a little too late. I was like 30. That it gets better shit is for the kids. Like that's not for an adult man figuring himself out. Like they don't want that. Nobody wants that shit. All my friends felt like I was just duplicitous. Like I was just lying to them. They they didn't know who I was. They all reacted like Sally Field and Mrs. Doubtfire. They were like the whole time. Like they were very <laughs> mad about that shit. And I think the thing that actually really put it over the top for me was he not only did that special that special came out and then a few days later he was hosting SNL and it happened to be the first SNL um after the Oscars and the slap and all of that and he was able to incorporate that into this monologue um which had to be written that week obviously um in such a brilliant way by talking about it without talking about it by talking about how that's all anyone wanted him to talk about um and so it was really for me the combination of that special and then seeing him pull that off on SNL where I was like, this guy can do anything. Now he's uh, set to host the Golden Globes uh, shortly, which will be interesting. Um, but I, I can't wait to see what he does there as well. Yeah. And Gerard Carmichael. I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> I want to be clear up top. I've talked about it enough. <laughs> kept talking about it. Kept thinking about it. I don't want to talk about it. And you can't make me talk about it. But, 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 but I got a question. Do you want to talk about it? Like, aren't you sick of talking about it? Isn't it kind of crazy? We just, it, feel, it feels like we've been talking about it for so long. I have, this is going to really blow your minds. Can you believe? It's been six days. Six days. This happened a week ago. Doesn't it feel like it happened years ago? Like, doesn't it feel like it happened when we were all in high school? Yeah, he is amazing. It's weird to think that he's so young and also starred in, like, a sitcom about, like, about himself, named after himself, um, but is finally really having this very mainstream breakout now, and I'm really excited for him, especially because, like, it's for good reason. Ralph Daniel is both a landmark, but also funny and so interesting. Like, I love this kind of autobiographical comedy that's unvarnished. Um, it's just such a memorable work. Yeah. I love that he's like actually, you know, out there and doing a lot now too. Like something like the Golden Globes, I can't imagine is something he would have done before. And I think he was kind of, he was, he was, he didn't do a lot of interviews. He didn't do a lot of appearances on things. Now this year he's been on late night shows. He's done, you know, SNL, he's done all these things. And it shows, I think that doing the special has sort of made him more comfortable with being a public person for better or worse, I guess. But um, he has not done this podcast yet, but I'm still trying. Eventually we'll make it happen. All right. Well, those were our lists. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think we could, we could mention some, some honorable mentions because I know there were people who we, you know, wanted to to include and and five spots is not enough, um, but yeah, I guess uh, Allegra, was there anyone that you wanted to shout out um, who didn't make your list, but you you just you really enjoyed? Yeah, I wrote a couple names down, but I feel like one of them demands explanation. I'm a big Connor O'Malley fan of his weird, horribly absurd, funny videos, and um, I got a chance to see him to stand up in London this year, which was really surreal. And the crowd was awful and he was so annoyed. <laughs> they didn't know what was going on. They did not. They just kept shouting Joe Para at him. And he was like, yeah, that's a guy I know that I don't know what you want, but he did premiere this video that's now on his Instagram called PVC feces rig, um, <laughs> where he uh, is this van life, aspiring van life influencer named Mike yelling at the top of his lungs, filming himself selfie mode on his phone. And he talks about how he made a, uh, a toilet of sorts for his van out of PVC pipe. Um, and you watch him make it and use it. And then he ends up stuck in the desert and goes on a crazy 
a dehydrated trip with another person he may or may not have run into. And it's very absurd, very strange. I really can't explain it. But Connor O'Malley is so good at this character where he's yelling and just losing his mind and is clearly mentally ill um, in this way that only Connor O'Malley has proven able to do. And it's like 10 minutes of comedy genius um, that it's like it's hard to single him out because he often plays this character. This is just one of the best versions of him playing this character. Yeah, and this and you mentioned Joe Para, and this year did see the the end of uh, of of Joe Para's show, and I know that was uh, devastating for all of us, including you. Yeah, it's great. Um, I had a few that I wanted to, to shout out. Um, uh, Eve Hewson from uh, Bad Sisters, which is a show that I loved and thought was really great, and she was really surprising and funny on it because I hadn't really seen her do comedy before. Killing it, uh, the Craig Robinson show, which I did not love but i thought um claudia or who's in that show uh was really funny and can kind of do no wrong in my book and and had a uh one specific bottle episode about her character that was great um i wanted to shout out jeff hiller in somebody somewhere which is bridget everett's uh hbo show and um and which she's incredible in but uh this guy jeff hiller who plays her friend um is really funny as well um and then uh, the other one is I, I just got to see the the new season of, of Documentary Now pretty recently and the two-part opener with Alexander Skarsgård um, playing a, uh, a director who is simultaneously making an intense documentary and a 80s sitcom at the same time, uh, which is a, a pretty <laughs> great setup, um, is, uh, was, was really, really funny as well. Um, so it was fun to see him do that in the, in the same year as The Northman, which was not funny but good <laughs> he was also really funny on atlanta this that's year. true yeah he plays uh he's playing himself on that right is that yeah he, he plays yeah, himself yeah yeah that was i forgot about that that was really funny um yeah laura any anyone that you wanted to to give a shout out to yeah i've got a few let's start with another movie i loved justin long and barbarian so funny a uh, second part would be to the tape measure that he's constantly carrying around. They were both very funny. They work well together. Uh, I've also, I mean, I love Mike Coulter in evil in general, but this season he's really been having a lot of fun as uh, our hot priest character is dealing with his extremely unpriestly feelings for his partner and in investigations. Uh, so I think that's just been really fun to watch. And Paulina Alexis in Reservation Dogs is another one who I've just been consistently enjoying. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I feel bad that we have not said the words Reservation Dogs on this podcast because that's <laughs> another just like incredible show of the year that um, that I, I thought about putting someone on and I couldn't choose, so I didn't. But that's a bad reason to not have it represented. I don't know what it is about Willie Jack as a character, but just every single thing about what Paulina Alexis is doing with her is just so funny to me. And I love any kind of sort of taciturn character like that. Uh, yeah, she's just very funny. And then the uh, opposite, which I also really enjoy, is Kiki Palmer in Nope, a character who is extremely expressive and uh, we love her for it. Um, but just as far as like movie performances, again, that just had me rolling around. She's another one who... She's really good. Every single choice. Excellent. <laughs> Whenever, um, when I read about how she did that monologue in her first scene in like one take, I mean, it took multiple takes, but like it's one just unbroken. Yeah. I was like this, she is the icon of her generation, which we already knew, but it's and so now good. She, and now she keeps giving us that Angela Bassett impersonation, which just keeps getting funnier <laughs> and funnier the longer the shtick goes. So That's great. Um, well, thank you both so much for doing this. And as people can, listening can tell, we have too many, uh, we've all seen too much TV and movies this year and too many people we want to talk about, but um, I'm glad we could make this happen. And uh, yeah, it's been a... It's been a year. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, happy holidays. Um, I hope you get a get a everyone gets a break soon. And um, yeah, maybe we'll do it again next year. Of course. Hope so. Yeah. All right. Thank you to Laura Bradley and Allegra Frank for joining me for our last episode of 2022. You can find our full list of the funniest performances of the year on thedailybeast.com. 
and we'll put a link in the description for this episode as well. I also want to thank all of you so much again for listening, not just this week, but all year long. I really do appreciate your support so much and hope you'll stick with us into 2023. I think we're going to have some really fun guests coming up soon. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.